You're listening to Business Casual, a podcast about making dollars and cents Aha. in commercial real estate. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Tim, the commercial guy at Churchwell, and I am here with Rip Ready Rob Symbionte out of Florida. Here we are. Yeah. So last time we talked about office space and all the different things going on with that. And this time we're going to talk about what resources or research uh, is available to you and should you trust all of them? Rob? Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a no on the latter. It's not that I don't trust them. It's that you need to think for yourself. Uh, in school, they used to teach it. They probably don't teach it anymore. Uh, you know, the, the art of critical thinking and thinking for yourself, mm-hmm. not just going with the herd and the sheep. But just because, I don't know, uh, Marx and Millichap says one thing and Colliers comes up with a con- contrarian article to that one and Bercadia is saying that all of them are wrong. <laughs> you need to be able to read the problem and decipher what the factors are from it. Like as if it's a, like a science physics problem where you have to go decipher, hey, I'm looking at this factor and that factor and that factor, not about all the fluff that's around it. Oh, Tim, do you, do you see that uh, happening? Well, yeah, there's so many different views out there. I mean, it's like economics, right? Uh, yeah, in forecasting, are you going to make your opinions? Not all of them are full of BS. It's, but no one can truly predict the market. You know, if somebody says, oh, well, I can. Well, you know, if you're right, it's because you were lucky is an educated guess. And that's the best you can do. Uh, one thing I would say that's uh, that's very important, find, first of all, know what type of market you're trying to research. Are you looking at the overall broad market? Are you, you know, are you looking at the economy? Or are you looking for research into a specific sector, like what's going on with the apartment, uh, you know, with the multifamily market nationally, and then start narrowing it down? And then go in and find some of the best research out there. I mean, some of the tools that I use uh, – CRE Daily is a great resource because it kind of gives you a snapshot, right? It's not going to take up all your time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can look at it and go, okay, this is interesting. And then you go find more information on that topic. CRE Daily is a great resource. Goldman Sachs does some great research. Keep in mind, I know everybody thinks Goldman Sachs as, you know, well, you're talking about stocks and bonds and things like that. Goldman Sachs does real estate stuff too. When you're talking about the capital markets and commercial markets, it's a matter of where are they flowing their money for investment decisions. Hey, you should be in real estate right now. Oh, hey, you should be in international bonds right now. Hey, you should be doing this. It's about where they're going to put that money. You know, some of the biggest lenders, institutional lenders in the commercial markets are things like pension plans and insurance companies. Insurance rules. Rules that that amount of money, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they kind of rule everything. It seems like, yeah, <laughs> insurance, commercial insurance. If you guys don't know, it's just been going through the roof. Uh, but that's a whole different topic. So yeah, so read this research. And Rob, what, t- what type of sources do you go to? Well, if you plan on and you haven't, that you've chosen a market. If you're not reading your local paper in regards to what is economically happening there, what businesses are moving, what kind of money there, where they're actually moving to. You're doing yourself a disservice. Arcadia, Crexy, CoStar, Wall Street Journal, 
all these things give you information. I do really enjoy Wall Street Journal specifically because I don't get any opinions there. Though Everyone's entitled to their thing. But if you think that you can do commercial real estate the way that you're able to do residential in regards to not have a very in-depth, for overall, not have a very in-depth knowledge of everything that is going on in that market, you are going to be rudely awakened because there are certain things that take longer. And commercial real estate is one of those things that takes longer to happen than residential. So if you start doing a project or making a development in a place that isn't going to be growing because you didn't know anything about the market, you're going to lose way more money than if you just had of known what was happening in the market. Oh, there's an international airport moving over there. Maybe I should be putting my money there rather than somewhere where the population is going down. Things like that. Uh, it seems rudimentary, but people will not do it. That's true. We've seen a lot of people, at least throughout my brokerage career, where they come in. And this is what applies to user space and investment space. But look, this is a great area. I want to be there. And they pay, you know, they want to pay extraordinary rents because it is a great market. But it has been. You know, one thing, again, going back to CCIM, I remember an instructor in there. He said, look, if you go and locate a business in a location or do an investment location, Yes, you can look at all these numbers and what's happened. But the problem is that's in the past. You're coming in now trying to make money in the future. So you need to be able to see what's happening in the future. You know, forecasting demand, forecasting population growth, wage growth, rent growth in the market. And that's so important on your decision. And you've got to, you know, if you, if you don't know how to run the numbers, then you should find somebody that does that can look at, help you decipher that information, gather it and decipher it. As far as general things, I mean, a lot of the resources we mentioned today, quite a few of them are free to the public. You can go out there, you can read uh, a lot of the Collier's reports, CBRE's research department, Goldman Sachs puts out some things, you know, Bercadia, I mean, you name it. It just keeps going on and on. You can actually get overwhelmed in any data with this information. So one thing I do want to caution everybody about here is keep in mind, you can also get paralysis by analysis. You get so mired down in reading all this different information because you want to make the perfect decision. Well, the problem is if you're so mired down in getting reading all this stuff and doing all this research, you're never actually going to take action on your plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do have to pull the trigger eventually. I've had this, uh, maybe because I'm young, it's that if I know that this is something that is not going to either A, put me out of business or be like just completely out of my research knowledge, I'll usually be like, all right, you want to know what? Like, let me just go for it. For example, I uh, I just, I got here about 10 days ago and I've already bought my first flip. Everyone's like, oh, you don't really know this. You don't really know that. I was like, well, I do kind of know how to get the general information about a certain subgroup because I can go look at the average annual income and be like, okay, so like it's, higher than the average in the market. So therefore, it's probably a pretty good place. Okay, I know that. I don't have any contractor base. Some people will be like, well, I need to get the best contractor and the best prices. I am now looking for a general contractor or I, I need to have a termite guy to be able to do an inspection. I am now looking for a termite guy. So there's things that you can do to learn as you go. Just pick something and once you do it, stop analyzing and just pull the trigger on something um, that is not dangerously bad. So that's just the way I've done it. Uh, yeah. you can't get your head cut off that way, but worked out for me so far. 
Yeah, there are risks involved. And I will caution everybody, if you can't afford the loss, know what your downside is going to be on something. But if you can't afford the loss, don't do the investment. You know, I tell people, you know, same thing. Don't walk into a casino if you can't afford to lose the money. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how uh, analysis paralysis kind of just sets in because everyone's like, oh, it's my nest egg. Also comes with raising capital, which is why when I raise capital now, I don't go to somebody who has $50,000 because if they invest that $50,000 with me, I'm trying to be mean, but they're going to call me once every two days. What's happening? Did the parking lot get restriped? Did this happen? Did that happen? Mm-hmm. I'm like, sir, it takes about 18 months to restabilize this asset. I get it. This is your nest egg. But that's somebody who cannot afford to lose that amount of money. Another person who's got millions of dollars is like, oh, $250,000 investment. Yeah, I'll just throw that in there. Let me know when it's done in three years. And the government actually has rules on this type of stuff as well. You get, you see a lot of these private funding deals going on and you have what we call accredited investors. So you have to meet a certain income annual income level, you have to meet a certain asset requirement as well. I've got a little something, something here, which scared the shit out of me the other day. Excuse my language. We'll blank that out. But (laughs) they are removing accredited investor requirements. What? They are making it a, you have to take a class to make it that you are knowledgeable enough. That's probably going to be a joke of a class. And you don't need to have the 250000 and you don't need to have the million net worth. Wow. I looked it up the other day because I had a newsletter come in from uh, one of my investor friends. Uh, he raises a lot of capital over in uh, Idaho Falls. And the main headline was uh, accredited investor requirements going away. So Wow. Well, in some ways, they were actually, here's the thing. You signed a form stating that you were an accredited investor, that you met this criteria. Whether you did or not, I mean, they're not verifying it. You go and for the most say, part. yeah, you go and say, yeah, I make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for the last three years. You know, or I have this so much money in assets. So sure, it's not going to be a problem if I give you two hundred thousand dollars of my money. Then, then all of a sudden, you know, crap hits the fan. They're like, well, you signed the form. I don't, you know, saying that this wasn't your life savings, basically. Mm-hmm. And that, so in some ways, I can understand that. I mean, if you have the class, hey, look, we're telling you this is risk. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, I get it from the government's perspective because you always got to look at it from both sides. They don't want a world in which a bunch of scammers are going around stealing Grandma Joe's, you know, nest egg. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you got somebody who's not able to sustain themselves because they got tricked by some great salesman into, putting it into their fund or their syndication. So on both sides, I see it. But then again, this is America, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, buyer beware. And I will, but let it be known too, as we're discussing commercial real estate, many, many, many states, Virginia being one of them, are basically, when it comes to commercial real estate, are basically a buyer beware state. They're saying, look, buyers and sellers of commercial real estate there's a presumption that they are equally sophisticated. These consumer protection laws that you hear for like when you're in all these disclosures, you know, when you're buying a house, you know, that protect people on the residential side, 
most of these aren't in place on the commercial side. You still have to disclose things like material issues with the property. But a lot of these other aspects, they're just not there. And buyer beware, you got to know. Buyer beware. And, I, and going back to you know, the main thing of our topic for this session is the same thing with the stuff you're reading. Now, if you're reading well-known publications, you know, uh, in research departments, Goldman Sachs, Arcadia, you know, CVRE, the Wall Street Journal, things like that, then you can trust that they have done their research. The issue is they're going to be conflicting, a lot of them, especially when you're talking about the economy. Oh, my goodness, you know, 60% say that we're going into a recession. This is a couple months ago. 60% of these people say we're going into a recession. 15% say, no, we're going to be fine. Who do you trust? Well, you also start formulating your own opinion there. And But again, it's not that it steers you away from commercial real estate. What should happen is that you factor it into your numbers. Remember the stress testing we talked about on an earlier episode that the banks have to do? Well, you should do the same thing on your numbers. Well, what if I, yeah, Rob, actually, when Rob first came to me, I believe uh, the apartment rent growth in our market was up 13%. And people were actually forecasting that going forward. It's like there's no way that we're going to maintain 13% rent growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of investors out there on the smaller scale, anyhow, and by smaller, I'm talking about the two million and under, a lot of them come into play and they're buying assets, especially because there's very few of them out there at the moment. So they're jumping in and they're paying cash for deals. And they don't, if they're inexperienced, they don't know how to price them properly uh, or they're represented by somebody that doesn't know how to price them. They're not getting appraisals done. So the lender's not requiring an appraisal on the property. They're jumping in just desperate to buy these. And they're forecasting like, well, look, we're going to keep growing like this. Of course, I want to make a ton of money. And then they come back when things slow down. They go, oh, my asset is, uh, I've lost money on this. And believe it or not, you can lose money on apartments too. You can, you can. You can lose money on everything. Um, however, there is one principle, I guess this will be like my nugget for the day, of if you do three things, you more than likely 99% of the time won't lose money. Is if you buy a property that is cash flowing, you secure long-term debt, and you have adequate cash reserves. The reason why I say that is because you don't have to sell ever. So yeah, will you not be able to get your money back from initial investment? Okay. But you can keep on holding that property throughout whatever market cycle because you have stabilized debt. It's not mm-hmm. changing. The property is already cash flowing. 99% of times, rents don't go down far enough for you to stop cash flowing. Um, and if anything goes wrong, you have adequate money to be able to fix that property up. Which almost cannot go wrong doing that. Which is the reserves. But I will tell you, though, there are several cities in this country that actually saw multifamily drop because rents dropped. Right. Yep. They had a decline in their rents, which also means a decline in their cash flows. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's it's not what the property is worth. It's what you buy it for. Yep. And so you got to be careful. And it's not just today's it's market. It. It's next year's or this. We always I always assume a five year hold period unless you're buying a property to flip it. I always assume, OK, you're going to hold this for five years. Let's forecast out these numbers for the next five years. And see what we get. And that's where you come into play with all this analysis. You say, all right, look, 
rents obviously aren't going to grow at 13 to 14%. What's normalized rent growth in our market? Well, you know, 4%. So you go back and you plug 4% growth into your number instead of 14%. And you can be cautious like that. Well, right now, there's nowhere near enough. You know, people are begging. There's no vacancies like industrial space. We went down to less than half a percent vacancy in our marketplace on industrial. If you don't know, that's nuts. That, that doesn't yeah, happen I mean, in sector ever. You can't find anything. As a broker, I had multi-million dollar buyers. I had multi-million dollar leasing tenants, and we could not find them anything. It was just nuts. But with that, you don't, so to adjust for risk going forward, you're like, well, this can't be sustainable, or there's more product coming on the market, or the economy is going to slow down, whatever the case may be. Then you just adjust your numbers. And we call it alternative cash flow analysis. So you put in there and say, well, what if the market does this? Well, I'm going to adjust the vacancy, and I'm going to move that vacancy number to, let's say it goes to 7% from 0.5. And then also you can adjust your discount rate that we discussed earlier on your analytics. Ultimately, that property is worth the sum of all your future cash flow. And then you discount that to today's net present value. So by doing that, you say, well, instead of 7%, I'm going to require 10% because inflation is going to. So you just discount all that today's net present value at 10% and go, okay, this is what the property is worth. Yeah, one thing that you've heard Rob and I both talk about consistently is do your research, do your analysis. But don't get paralysis by analysis. You have to pull the trigger at some point. Okay. Well, towards all that, uh, this has been a great discussion talking about different sources of information, how to do your research, who to believe, who not to. All Keep in mind, not all the sources out there are trustworthy as well. Some of them are very slanted. All right. Stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to be sitting down with Dr. Don Kennedy, the CEO of Hurrah, and she's also served on some national committees in the commercial councils. That's it for now. The Business Casual Podcast is recorded in the Hurrah studio and edited by Mark Harlan. 